This is Line of Sight. I'm Bridget Helms, Executive Director at Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship at Santa Clara University. And I'm Don Heider. I'm the Executive Director of the Markle Center for Applied Ethics, also at Santa Clara. We're so delighted to have with us today Lisa Kloppenberg. Lisa is the Acting President of Santa Clara University. She previously served as Dean of the School of Law from 2013 to 2019 and Interim Provost and then Provost from 2019 to 2021. She is nationally known as a scholar in conflict resolution, and her latest book was published in March by Oxford University Press. Lisa is dedicated to our Jesuit mission of educating the whole person, heads, hands, and hearts for service to others. She's prioritized increasing access and affordability, as well as increased diversity, equity, and inclusion at Santa Clara. In her time at SCU, she also fostered stronger connections to Silicon Valley, and this provided more experiential learning opportunities for students. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Don and Bridget. It's an honor to be here with you. So let's start by talking about uh, a book about your mentor that was just published. What leadership did you draw from her? Um, I'll just mention that the name of the book is The Best Beloved Thing is Justice, which is a Baha'i saying, and Judge Nelson was a real leader with her husband in the Baha'i faith in the United States, um, and she really brought a lot of those values into her professional life. So I was lucky to be a student in her class back in law school when I only had two women teachers. She was the former dean at that point, working on the Ninth Circuit as a judge. And um, I took a conflict resolution class with her and it just really got me excited about the field. And she took us down into the courts so that we got to see law in action, like how it impacted people. So just tremendous uh, lessons that you learn that you can't just learn in a book. You know, we really got to interact with the system. So uh, on leadership, um, Dorothy is incredible. She really is a servant leader. And that's taught me a lot. Like the senior faculty, when she first became a rare female dean in 1967, told her, come late to the first faculty meeting and show them who's boss. That's just not Dorothy. She showed up early. She brought homemade cookies. You know, <laughs> it's just her style. If you went to her chambers today, she would ask you, are you comfortable? Do you need coffee? Can I serve you a cookie? She wants people to feel kind of respected, valued, safe. I think that's a big part of her leadership. She also, of course, emphasized conflict resolution, so mediation or consensus building, trying to find common ground with people. And so she would encourage us to listen, 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 make sure everybody in the room gets to speak, go around the table. Um, and really stay hopeful and patient. You know, it may take some time if you have differing views, but can't we find some common ground? Um, so that's a, a very important lesson because all leaders will run into constituencies and people with different viewpoints. And finally, I'd say um, she was a leader who thought you just have to be yourself, right? When she went to law school, there were two women in her class. And so by the time she became a dean in the late 60s, there were only five uh, female, well, there were very few, a handful of female deans in legal education. And during her 13-year tenure as dean, for five years, she was the only woman at an ABA law school. So it was really a rare time for women and people of color in law. 
And she just didn't try to be like the traditional male dean, right? Mm -hmm. She advocated for clinical legal education, advocated for conflict resolution instead of adversarialism. She really um, started affirmative action programs for women and people of color at an early stage. And she helped bring about merit selection for federal judges. So we didn't rely so much on the old boys network. So she did this all in a very kind of 1950s woman, gentle, you know, mothering, but very persistent, very determined. So I think there's some great lessons for leadership. Now women shouldn't have to just be leaders like in that model, the 1950s model, but, um, there's so much value in how she navigated all the complexities in law, on the bench, and then in her life. Mm. You know, it's so interesting, Don. I feel like we've had some version of this conversation several times. We've been talking to lots of women leaders, more in kind of the investing space and this whole conversation about women entrepreneurs uh, or women leaders getting access to capital they need or whatever. And this whole point of it's not about behaving more like a man. <laughs> uh, it's about slowly, I guess, or quickly uh, changing the system so yeah. that it values more of a range of approaches. Yes. Yeah. And, and building relationships, maybe, whether you're a person of color, a woman, anybody who's not kind of of the traditional uh, mode in that field, you know, you, you have to get to know people as individuals, get them to know you and see your value. And, and I am a great believer in if we can break down the barriers between people, there will be more access and opportunity. Yeah. Would you say that she was the person that most influenced you to want to be a leader or were there others as well? There were others, Don, but I think you're right. She was the main influence. In fact, when I had just gotten tenure as a law professor at the University of Oregon, she called me up and said, Lisa, we need more women deans. I'm putting your name in a search. And I'm like, I've got young kids. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. But she believed I could do it and that it was needed. And so that's why I stepped up relatively early. I think when I became dean at Dayton, I was the youngest law dean in the country. Wow. That's really impressive, Lisa. We're so lucky to have you here. <laughs> I'm lucky to be here. I love oh Santa Clara. Gosh. Well, speaking of uh, Santa Clara, I'd love to hear about your experience as acting president. What are you proudest of in yeah. that regard? As we all know, it's been a challenging time with COVID and racial and economic justice issues. It's, it's a hard time in the world. But I am really proud of, of what we've done together. I feel like we've pulled together so much as a community around COVID and that students, the faculty and staff on the health team, I mean, we have all worked, gotten vaccinated and boosted so that we can keep each other safe. And I'm just so happy now that we can be on campus more and present to each other. And, and that wouldn't have happened if people didn't make sacrifices individually for the common good. So I just, I feel like that really speaks to our Jesuit nature too. Um, and, and we pulled together through this hardship and we're gonna survive. We're gonna thrive uh, as a university despite COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also really proud of our two new divisions. Um, when Father O'Brien was here, he started uh, a search for a VP of Mission and Ministry and a VP for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. So those two amazing women have come on board this year. They work together really well. And I'm just really happy because I think that spreads kind of our Jesuit 
charism throughout all of our work. People can attach to it in different ways, whether it's a DEI plan or a, a retreat or a spiritual exercises, but they're, um, I love that they're working together. And I think having those two positions as vice presidents with divisions that they work with, that's going to strengthen us for the future. You know, keep us grounded in our mission and improving on diversity, equity, and inclusion as we strive to become an anti-racist university. The last thing I might mention, um, if I can just brag about one more thing, I think um, I'm really pleased that we're we're hiring an ombuds. And I know not everybody knows what that is, but it's basically somebody to listen and help facilitate conflicts. And every organization could benefit from an ombuds. Mm -hmm. We've never had one at Santa Clara. And so we worked with shared governance and uh, we are hiring a person who will report to Shay Duncan Smith, our vice president for diversity, equity, inclusion. And I think it's gonna be a great tool for community building and just another venue for listening to the people here, right? Because if we don't value the people here, we're going to be nothing. (laughs) Can I ask a follow-up about this? So um, you talked a little bit about the challenges and if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about like what has been for you personally the most challenging and how did you work through it? You know, um, I think with COVID, we're all exhausted. So that it, how do we keep patient and how do we do what's right, even when we'd like to be done with it? That That's a struggle. And then I think like many families and, and people in the pandemic, our family has been affected too by mental health issues. Yeah. And so yeah. that combination of, you know, trying to, you know, do your best and bring the energy and the focus every day, while you're also dealing with some really tough emotional Um, personal things Mm -hmm. as well so yeah it's been a challenging time (laughs) exactly exactly well I appreciate one thing I can say I really appreciate your uh, approach and also I guess courage Mm -hmm. is what comes to mind (laughs) you know sticking with the vaccinations and the booster requirement is the right thing to do but in my view but obviously a little bit controversial People have different views yeah. about it, and we listen to people. We get so many calls from parents, letters, you know, complaints. But our students are, are they're so wonderful. They're like going out and getting vaccinated and boosted. They're not giving us, you know, yeah. a hassle about this. <laughs> but but you're right, I think, for the cabinet and for me and our health team, it, we have had to stand up sometimes it, when things are uncertain, mm-hmm. right? We don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so what, how cautious do you be and, and how open do you be? And so yeah. balancing all of that is a judgment call. Um, but thank you. I feel really well supported by our community around it. For um, people out there who are aspiring to be a leader or who are in leadership positions, what advice would you offer in terms of dealing with adversity? Well, it's part of being a leader. It's mm-hmm. You have to accept. You can't try to avoid it, right? It is going to come. There will be obstacles. There will be adversity. And so I think it's almost uh, learning to surf the waves, you know? Uh, let you deal with the situation, but there's a lot you can't control, right? I can't control whether we get a new COVID variant. So, you know, letting go of what you can't control, focusing on what you can, like the that old prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is it the prayer right. of St. Francis? I don't know. And um, so that, that idea, Don, that um, really 
you got to take care of yourself or you won't be healthy to lead others. So I do, you know, exercise six or seven days a week and I get time with my husband and my kids. I mean, I try to have breaks, build in a vacation once in a while, because if you don't, if you're just going a hundred miles an hour every day in these leadership positions, you'll burn out, mm. right? So you have to be healthy to, to take care of others. What do you think is the biggest barrier you faced in your career? That's a good question. I think that I'm a pretty nice person, and so people can underestimate me, not think I'm tough enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm a woman and a pleasant personality. <laughs> and and so I think in, in some of the early positions, particularly when people hadn't seen what I could accomplish with a team, you know, they, they might have been skeptical or they might have thought they could run over me. Um, but there I was lucky to have a mentor like Judge Nelson, who, you know, really would stick to her guns, very courageous, but um, and, and nice, as diplomatic as could be. But you weren't going to tell her what to do. <laughs> She'd listen, but she might not necessarily go the way you wanted yeah. if, it, if she didn't feel it was the right thing. Right, right. You know? So I can totally relate to that. I think a lot of women can relate to what you just said. You know, I think um, we have more of a a people pleaser instinct. And we're taught that as little girls. Yes, exactly. Um, And uh, I I had an experience the other day where I had to have a very challenging conversation um, with one of our stakeholders and... um, the other person who was there with me, we walked out of the meeting and said, oh, you're actually pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you have to be. I mean, he was so surprised. Right. Uh, I'm like, well, yeah. Sorry for interrupting, no, but there are different ways of being tough. Yeah, right. Exactly. And being persistent, being, you know, we, we've all seen kids who are stubborn. <laughs> right. You know, there are different ways of, of being tough and uh, holding on to your values. So um, I think that's right. And and as the world sees more different types of leaders, hopefully we'll broaden our minds about about that, what it takes to be strong, right? Nice, yeah, I agree. What are your hopes for the future of Santa Clara University? I'm really excited about the future. Uh, Dr. Sullivan is gonna be tremendous. She's an experienced leader in higher ed. She uh, has the academic background. She has the business background. She's got the experience. She's happy to be here because of our Jesuit mission and because she has family in Silicon Valley. Um, and, And I'm just happy too that a woman is gonna be our president. So I'm really excited. You know, um, one thing that gives me a lot of hope is how strong our admissions has been the last couple of years. We've had two record years in terms of applicants. So that says a lot because I think our students must be saying good things about their experience for the most part. We all, all have ups and downs, but they're saying something positive about Santa Clara University or we wouldn't be getting those applicants. So I'm really excited. It's a very talented group. Every year the stats keeps increasing. It's a more diverse group every year, more first generation students. And that's so important for providing access as a Jesuit university. So I'm really excited about that trajectory. It bodes really well for the future. Um, And finally, I'd have to say, 
I've been really uh, impressed as I learn more about the university outside the law school, how creative people are and how many creative outlets there are. I mean, Miller Center, Markless Center, but all of the schools and colleges and programs, there's so many opportunities for people with this research, service, interdisciplinary work, all kinds of experiments and pilots going on, which mm -hmm. we should have in Silicon yeah. Valley. So I'm, I feel like there's a real energy and innovation here. If we can unleash that fully and support it, you know, uh, the sky's the limit in terms of what we could do on the global stage. Yeah, I'm becoming more and more aware of how unique Santa Clara is um, with my son also in college and the difficulties that he faced trying to switch from one major to another or trying to connect two completely different topics to double major and things that, you know, don't normally go together. And here I routinely hear about students who are studying, you know, dance and marketing or, you know, and uh, mechanical engineering and art or, you know, it's so cool. It's it is really cool. I think it's good for our students, right? So you're not just so narrow. You have, again, to the whole person of our students, head, hands and heart. We need to be well-rounded. And, and uh, so anyway, I'm excited that the students who want have those interdisciplinary opportunities. That's the future, right? We've got to work in interdisciplinary teams. So the more our students can experience that too, the better they'll be prepared for the job market. What advice would you give young women about developing their own leadership skills? I think find some mentors. <laughs> and mm -hmm. you know, don't be afraid to ask. If you really feel you hit it off well with a professor, approach that person in office hours or by email. I mean, uh, many of us are in education because we want to help. We'll take you for coffee, you know, and, and find out what your interests are and try to connect you to other people who might be helpful. So I think seek out those mentors because nobody succeeds alone, you mm -hmm. know, um, and, and just again, believe in yourself. I think I'm very grateful that I was born when I was rather than 50 years before. You know, I had, the opportunities I've had, uh, my mom had to quit school after eighth grade to immigrant family, go and support the other children or babysit while the parents worked, right? And, and my mother-in-law had no opportunity to go to college. So gosh, a lot changed in a generation. And mm -hmm. so I am very grateful to be in, you know, born when I was and have had the education, the opportunities that I did. Yeah. I can totally relate to that, too. Um, so what's next for Lisa Kloppenberg? Oh, I'm um. so blessed. Uh, you know, in the academic world, we get a sabbatical after, you know, as faculty members after years of administrative service. So I'm excited, you know, to go promote the book about Judge Nelson, um, to do some traveling with my family, um, and frankly, just to take some naps and relax a little bit. <laughs> I don't usually nap, but I think I might. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I'll come back to the law school and I'll be working half time in the law school teaching and writing. And I'm excited to be with the students again and then and my colleagues there. And then I'll work half time in university relations, helping us to finish off the billion dollar campaign. Wow. And, you know, my heart's really I mean, I love so many of the programs here really a fantastic variety of programs. But I think my heart is um, kind of with student scholarships 
for the most part because you know I could not have gone to college and my husband couldn't have gone to college without scholarship support Mm -hmm. and um, how do we make sure that we have a fair and just world I think it is giving a wide variety of people opportunities for education that's awesome yeah (laughs) you know I was thinking I was telling the story to um, my son the other day because um, I was also scholarship uh, full scholarship here at Santa Clara amazing Um, and I would never have but look what it produced me now it's Santa Clara. Well, so, you know, and I, I remember after my fr- freshman year, because I had worked in between, I had taken a year off in between. I took a gap year without it ever being a thing back then, but because I, I had to, because we did, couldn't afford to come. So I worked throughout that year to save up most of the money for the first year. And then, um, and then I had to go to the university and say, you know what, I don't think I can keep going. Uh, I remember having a conversation, I think with, well, it was a Jesuit, I can't remember, mm. I can't remember who it was, but anyway. And they said, no, 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 we, no, 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 we'll find a way. And, and they did. And so that's kind of, when I, I kind of had forgotten that until I came back physically to be here. Yeah. And they realized, wow, you know, they really gave me the the opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. And then she went on to get two PhDs. I mean, her, her life was <laughs> transformed by that. And they do that for undocumented students. They do it for students who have emergencies in their family. So I think there really is that care for our individual students here that's very special. So yeah. happy that you're going to be working on that. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's an honor. Keep that tradition going. Yeah. Keep that tradition going. So, Lisa, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, You've been listening to Line of Sight. My name is Don Heider. I'm the Executive Director of the Markless Center for Applied Ethics. And I'm Bridget Helms, Executive Director at Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship right here at Santa Clara University. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you both.